um, that has um, Jane Goodall approved holidays. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So I don't need to worry. I still obviously ask all of the same questions to be doubly sure, but I'm less worried about the ethics in terms of the encounters with the wildlife and how they run it. So me, the focus is more on can you cater to vegans? How are you going to do that? What can you offer? Um, mm. So um, I can book people on their holidays, knowing that they're going to have a fantastic time um, mm. and not have to worry about anything. So that's sort of the next the next move um, and those are uh, those are wildlife holidays of all sorts of experiences all over the place from the Galapagos to Borneo um, to the Congo all sorts of things. Welcome to Plant-Based DFW with Dr. Riz and Maya. In our show we cover topics about lifestyle medicine such as healthful eating, physical activity, stress management, building relationships and improving your sleep. We also enjoy talking about topics such as the environment and animal welfare, and we will bring you experts such as physicians, dietitians, and health coaches. And we also like hearing testimonies from people like you. And welcome back to another episode. This is Maya. And I bring to you today an interview that I did with Esther Erdotolomy. She is the creator of Kindred Traveler. I actually reached out to her when I um, saw her on social media and saw that she's a vegan who organizes travel groups. Whether you're interested in traveling solo or in a group, she will make sure that you have the ultimate experience and also a vegan ethical experience. So I hope that you enjoy this episode and let me know what you think. So welcome, Esther. Hi, it's lovely to talk to you. You are actually the owner of Kindred Traveler. That's right, yes. So you're a uh, tour operator and also a travel agent for individuals who are vegan and want to travel and take into consideration animal welfare. Yeah. So we do sometimes get people that aren't vegan that are sort of really about the ethics of traveling as well. But predominantly um, the people that sort of come to me for help with, with booking things are vegan. You basically combine two of your passions. I guess if we can get a little bit of background on what you were doing before. Um, have you been vegan most of your life? Uh, no, I've been vegetarian for a very long time. So I turned vegetarian when I think I was about 11. Um, I was from quite a large family and no one else was. And it was just something I just realized quite quickly that sort of my lifestyle and my choices didn't fit um, with my ethics even at that age um, but I didn't turn vegan I didn't really turn that corner until I was in my mid-30s um, and it had a lot to do with what was going on in the UK at the time around um, the badger cull um, and all that kind of thing where there's um, they've been using sort of the badger cull to they claim resolve the situation with um, BTB over here Mm -hmm. So um, I got quite heavily involved in campaigning against that. And it was at that point that I realised that as I was sort of wandering through fields of cows, sometimes in very dark clothing and um, trying to make sure that badgers weren't being sort of persecuted, um, that I sort of looked around at these fields of cows and sort of thought, what on earth am I doing? Um, so I, I pretty much at that point overnight went vegan. Um, so that was that was a big turning point for me. Um, so yeah, so I've been yeah, I've been vegan about sort of sort of yeah, I've been getting on for about six seven years now. Okay. Um, so, but in terms of the travel side and how that came into it, I've been travelling on my own since I was about twenty nine. I'd started off, I did it big. I'd um, I'd quit a job I had at the time that I wasn't enjoying and just wanted to do something different and knew that sort of I didn't have friends that, that, that were able to just drop everything um, and didn't necessarily want to go to the same places that I wanted to go to. 
Um, so I just bought myself a rucksack and a few weeks later I found myself sort of going around Cambodia and Vietnam and Thailand and um, on my own. Um, really enjoyed it. I was gone for several months and I spent some of that time volunteering at um, a wildlife sanctuary in Borneo. Um, and that was an incredible opportunity, but I didn't enjoy the spiders at all. Oh. Um, <laughs> so they're not my thing. I'd never hurt them, but I'd like them to stay away from me for the most part. Um, so, yeah, so I really enjoyed that. And sort of that was really where I started with all of it, really. Sort of that, not knowing it at the time, but I think that kind of placed a sort of a few seeds in, in my mind about, you know, where, where the direction I might want to go in. So Kindred Traveller was born how long ago? Um, so I spent two years researching it before launching it, and I launched it at the very beginning of this year. So we're still quite new. In a sense, you've put together all this, this entire program uh, to help vegan travelers. And can you tell me what, that, what you mean by that, the ethics of traveling? Well, so it extends more than, to more than just the food. Um, so sort of in terms of my experience of solo travel, particularly after I went vegan, which did complicate things somewhat, mm -hmm. um, I'd gone, I, I was usually somebody that did a lot of independent travel, but I had gone away with um, a group that specialised in solo travel and I was the only vegan there, mm -hmm. um, which every meal time became complication because you had to ask the right questions to get the right food and it would make you the focus of everybody's attention mm -hmm. um but it's it's about more than that because um going away with them um they would offer excursions um such as um you know you can go sort of wildlife spotting and a variety of different things that you could do or that you could go sort of swimming with dolphins and that kind of thing which i obviously knew at that point wasn't right and for me it felt like um i really needed to offer people an opportunity to be able to book either a group holiday or a package holiday of their own where they knew that that wasn't going to be part of it and that their money wasn't going to be funding those sorts of experiences. So the ethics are about, yes, what you eat when you're over there, but also about the experiences that you have with animals over there. It extends to sort of what happens on the ground in terms of animal welfare and also not just about the animals, also about the people that you interact with over there and how that affects them, depending on the locations that you're going to. So when you first uh, began to take this approach of combining your lifestyle as a vegan and also your love for traveling, did you begin with a, a handful of friends or a small group? I did it all on my own. Um, so um, I started it sort of um, the company by myself. Um, but in terms of um, when I was in the research phase and I knew that I wanted to offer these group holidays, I did take a group of either friends or friends of friends. And I got them together um, and just kind of just booked like sort of just the accommodation and all of that which we all did independently but hosted it myself and um, took them around the restaurants to get the food sort of right and things like that and trialed that um, just on people that were sort of a little bit friendly to what I was trying to do but would also I knew would give me really frank and honest feedback mm -hmm. um, and I did all of that before I launched it just to make sure I'd ironed out all the creases and really kind of gotten the idea outside of my own head a bit to get a few a bit of input from other people. So you were sort of a tour guide first, I guess. In terms of that, um, I mean, our holidays are not necessarily so much about tours. Um, we do offer things like excursions, um, but they are more about making sure that the whole experience is as stress-free as possible from, from that mm -hmm. perspective. So it's as much about, I spend quite a lot of my time sorting out appropriate accommodation and, and knowing about the restaurants um, that, 
that they have got food that people can choose from so that you don't rock up at a restaurant and end up they say oh yes we cater to vegans but then you find out that actually that means there is one option on the menu and you have to ask for it without cheese um, <laughs> so exactly yeah, for me, a lot of my sort of time goes into that. Um, and and also um, some of the tours that I run myself or through through my company, but other, other tours, quite a lot of them are through third parties, but I've checked them out to make sure that they are ethical. They do things the right way. And I've asked all the right questions. Um, and some of those tours are run by other vegans. What were you doing before you started your business in travel? Um, I've spent 12 years working in animal welfare. Um, so I kind of into that side of things I brought a real insight into I hope um, because obviously I volunteered um, with wildlife while I was overseas but after I came back from that um, I got a job um, in the UK working for a company called uh, for an organization it's a charity called the RSPCA mm -hmm. um, which is pretty well known internationally so it's the Royal Society for Prevention of Cruelty to Animals mm -hmm. um, and I've worked with other organizations too at sort of management level so I've helped set um, set up local branches that are run by volunteers that do mm. that their entire focus is rescuing animals and I did that for 12 years before focusing on this so I think when I was looking at places overseas and um, that was really the key thing for me yes I wanted to sort out the food to make things easier for people but the impact on the animals um, what we what we do and, and what we get out of it as tourists comes second mm. to um, to their welfare um, and also about sort of educating locally in a sort of an unpatronising and helpful way as possible um, and giving those people sort of contacts and sort of a help about, you know, how the sort of the resources that we can bring. Um, mm. In each of our destinations, we actually work with, um, that we do the solo group travels in. We work with um, local rescue um, organisations so that we know the sorts of things they might need. So if people want to bring things like flea treatments, wormers, that kind of thing with them, little things that they can easily get hold of and pop in their suitcase can make a huge impact the other end. Oh. So it's more than just an experience for you. It genuinely helps them at the other end. So these rescue organisations, um, are some of them the sort of like animal sanctuaries that people can visit? Yeah. So, for instance, um, Zakynthos, which is kind of like the flagship, that's that's the one I, I started with. Um, mm. So that's a Greek island. Some people know as Zanti. Mm -hmm. um, and um, they have you go there and you will you will see stray cats, stray dogs, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and that can be confrontational in most places. But they have um, an organization there called Zanti Strays. Mm -hmm. They're not the only rescue, um, but they're one of the most active. Um, and they do take in stray cats and dogs and find homes for them. And for the feral cats that sort of live on the streets, they make sure that they have the food, the water, the shelter that they need. Um, and they, they treat them and, and give them the vet treatment that they can. And there's, there's sort of a whole host of volunteers over there um, that do an awful lot to help. So um, in terms of bringing over things like treatments, that really helps them and can impact on them and just sort of, you know, buying some food when you're there, um, which all of that can be left with the host at the holiday um, and they're passed on and you can visit the, um, the rescue as well. Mm, very nice. Uh, and the sort of on the more wildlife side of things, we've got um, the Sea Turtle Conservation Society. So when I was looking at the turtle potting spotting excursions, which um, Zakynthos is famous for, where you go out in a boat and sort of stalk them around the water, I worked with um, with Arcalon, the Sea Turtle Conservation Society, to make sure that we used a supplier, somebody that ran boat trips that 
follow the rules that were set out by that society so they keep their distance when they do find a turtle you don't they don't spend too long around them they don't get too close they don't endanger them in any way so you can still have that experience but do it in a way that's safe for the turtles we do need a lot more awareness about what the do's and the don'ts of observing these animals that are free. So one of the things that I learned in the, in my previous visit to Cancun was that some people come out at night and they start using flashes, you know, when they photograph the the, the turtles and then, what ca- and then that causes them to not want to return. It's about education a lot of the time. And I think, and they have exactly those same challenges in, in Zakynthos. Um, mm-hmm. Recently, um, in fact, it was this summer, they've got a couple of turtles that are so old, they kind of, they have their own name they're they're pretty infamous Mm -hmm. Um, and one of them was killed because the boats there were too many boats crowding around him for a look they got too close and he got hit by a propeller they think Um, and they managed to rescue him and took him um, Arcolum rescued him and took him in to sort of help him recover but he didn't make it and these are the very sad things that can happen when our our need you know our, our drive to satisfy our need for entertainment is overtakes the the welfare of of the of the object that we're looking at and the creatures that we're looking at and you know and that's i think that's true for for a lot of things that we do whether that be sort of animals um whether it be sort of um certain areas where there were rare rare plants growing and also when it comes to things like indigenous tribes things like this we you know sometimes the the very thing we're trying to observe we're doing damage to um and that's what i'm very keen to avoid and and with education i think you have two types of people those that do it just for sheer ignorance mm-hmm. and when they know they wouldn't do it mm-hmm. but then you've got others that, that simply simply it's 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 of no interest to them mm-hmm. um, but yeah we do our best to support those and i think to spread the word and i think that's the great thing about being a vegan business is you know thankfully quite a lot of the people that come on our trips already have that that mindset um and um it's reassuring to them to know that that we do too and we thought about that so there's no trip they're going to go on that's been sort of that's that they've booked through us that that there's going to be any wildlife placed at risk at all i read that you also offer um ethical safaris so what would that look like um so we do that through um third-party suppliers so that's not a hosted break it's unfortunately not when i get to go on with them <laughs> okay <laughs> so, so yeah i've been approached it's something that came up fairly recently because i've had a number of people who've approached me and said that we want to go on a holiday not necessarily with a group but we've come to you because we want to do a safari and we want to be sure that it's ethical um, and the things to look out for there, I mean, which, of course, most vegans will have come across and heard about, at least, is, you know, there's such a thing as canned hunting. Um, and I actually do know some people who have not realising gone on holidays and come back with a photo of them cuddling and walking with lion cubs and things like that. Oh, no. Which, yeah, which, which worries me. And it's a really difficult conversation to have with somebody who you know loves animals and they've done that just not knowing what that potentially means. And to explain to those that aren't aware what that what that could mean and quite likely means um, mm-hmm. is that um, you have so-called sanctuaries who you can ha- ha- will charge people a lot of money to have these direct experience with the cubs mm-hmm. but then what happens to the cubs as they get older is they make money with them at the other end of their life as adults by mm-hmm. getting um, money from trophy hunters to hunt them because they're not cute and they can't be cuddled anymore sure and there is a direct connection between the one and the other um and a lot of people just don't have that awareness but you would hope that 
that's a that's there's a wider awareness of it now so i've worked with and um, i did a lot of research and um, so when people come to me to build them a bespoke holiday sometimes it takes longer for me to come back to them with the right holiday than it would a standard travel agent who might get back to them a couple of hours later mm-hmm. because i will talk to different suppliers different people that run safaris and i've now actually got a really good base of people that i know do it ethically because of the research i've done where i know that the places that they go aren't involved in anything like that the animals come first the money is ploughed into animal welfare and protecting conservation areas from trophy hunters and poachers um, they also think about sort of the local people and educating them as well um, so it's 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 about that sort of that wider picture really and just thinking about that but also because it's it's managing people's expectations of what an ethical safari is and how close they're likely to get to those animals mm. um, you the the most ethical ones are ones where you're going to see them off in the distance doing their thing naturally undisturbed by your presence mm-hmm. the closer you get the less likely that is to be the case and i think the very close up safaris are usually often the ones that i worry about because there's a trade-off there for that animal's welfare you know, my, my husband and I are both vegan. We're plant-based, but we're also, we're vegans for an ethical reason. And so for us, travel has changed completely. We are so much more aware of the things that happen that take place in certain destinations, even here in the States, like the carriages, for example, up in Florida. We saw a quite a large group of people on a carriage and the horses looked exhausted. I just cannot imagine. And it's like, I'm sure that they're not on purpose trying to hurt the animals animal they're just not aware no and i think there's this attitude isn't there and it's, mm-hmm. it's one of the challenges in certain areas that that certain animals are working animals and that that, that means that they're okay um, i think a good example of that um is santorini at the moment um, i really wanted to do a group holiday to santorini because it's I mean, you look at you look at the pictures and sort of the experience you have over there. It's very stereotypically sort of Greek with the whitewashed houses and the, the bright blue roofs and things like that. But there is a major problem over there with the donkeys. You're being used to transport people in big numbers um, up and down the top of the hills, um, and their welfare is significantly compromised because they're placed under too much strain and they're not adequately cared for it's a major issue there um, and it's not one that's being embraced and fully tackled by the local authorities and until that is um, I simply won't put a group tour there Um, I think wherever wherever you go you're always going to be confronted by differing standards Mm -hmm. and I think a lot of the time there's education but I think there are certain locations where they know there's a problem and they're not tackling it. And in those locations, I feel that your money um, really matters and withholding it can really matter. We are sailors. We have a sailboat in Florida and we sail along the coast. And we're so fortunate to be able to see the, um, for example, dolphins that approach our boat and just enjoy them. There's so much to be gained from experience with animals, you know, and I, I think, you know, what I, what I certainly wouldn't want people to do is to feel that they that they can't observe, they can't engage, and they can't get enjoyment out of that. Sure. Um, I think it's just a question of, of how you do it. And it's perfectly possible to do it and to do it ethically. What do you think about that, taking diving trips or excursions? How, is there an ethical part to that as well? 
I'm not somebody that's very big on diving, um, but sort of in terms of sort of my experience of it and my knowledge of it, I think obviously I'll be calling into question mm-hmm. that the, the questions I'll be asking. I think, yes, it's great to do and there's no reason why you shouldn't do it. But the questions you need to ask um, are around the areas that you're doing it, how close you're going to get up to, to those wildlife. But also it's not just about the animals. It's about, you know, if it's around coral reefs or in areas that have got a really sensitive balance there, um, you know, is what, is what you're doing going to cause damage to those areas? Um, is the presence of the boat there and the type of boat that you're using going to cause damage to those areas? Mm-hmm. Um, so again, I think it's about holistically looking about the ethics of the, of the groups that, that take you out and organize these things a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Well, we definitely have a high level of awareness awareness as sailors in terms of areas to stay away from um, with our sailboat and just in general we've seen the damage that can happen just even in sailing if you are in a very shallow area you run aground on some of the coral and the damage that can be caused yeah and I think there's there's, there's a lot to be said about that I think and in, in the environmental impact of traveling in general and I think there's a really big dis- there's there's really big discussions being had around that as a whole um, and I think you need to think about the environmental impact of what you do both sort of in those sort of smaller areas right up to just 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 going on holiday in general and how you get there tell me about your experience in building your your company your team um well mostly it's me that does everything um (laughs) i do everything from the marketing to the to the to being the tea lady um but that said um i do have a whole host of people who sort of helicopter in to help me with things on request um and whose expertise i rely on an awful lot um, so whether that be sort of for advice on particular um, animal welfare issues to sort of ethical suppliers, mm-hmm. even down to sort of the web designer. My web, my web designer is vegan. Oh, <laughs> <So> awesome. <laughs> if, um, if whenever possible, um, I do try, um, obviously in terms of our suppliers, I, I do and have to look into that very carefully. But even down to things, like I said, as simple as, as, as the website, um, I try mm-hmm. to support other vegan plant-based businesses whenever I can. Mm-hmm. Um, because um, I'm all for, you know, I think it's really important to, to lift people up who are trying to live an ethical lifestyle and trying to do things in as moral a way as they can. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, whenever, whenever I can, I do that. My accountant is vegan. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So it's been less about sort of who I employ sort of within my team and actually more about who I pull in. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. And how are you marketing yourself? Um, a variety of ways and um, there's been some things that have tried I've tried but haven't worked out quite so well so um, I've obviously done some adverts in some um, vegan magazines um, which um, have been great in terms of spreading the word but not necessarily sort of generated bookings I think what's really worked well um, is social media works quite well um, mm-hmm. and getting a following and giving people a real insight into what you do and why you do it and how it works mm-hmm. um, and um, events um, i've just um the other week got back from doing veg fest which was um, a huge um event over a whole weekend in london at olympia mm-hmm. um, and um i think there, there was a there were around sixteen thousand people i think that were there oh, wow um so it was a tiring weekend but it was fantastic because i love doing events like that one because you obviously get to talk to people face to face so they can ask you anything and and again it gives them a real insight into what you do and why 
but also because sort of the feedback you get and people sharing their experiences, um, some of the negative ones, but really importantly, the, the positive ones. And I'm always taking notes about where people have been and where they've had good experiences and sometimes where they haven't had good experiences. And that all feeds into sort of the, the plans I make moving forwards in terms of destinations and things like right. that. It's really important to always be listening, I think, mm -hmm. because I'm just one person and I have my experiences and my research, but it's really important to hear about other people's experiences as well. Right. My husband and I participated in our own local, um, we call it the Texas Veggie Fair, and we held a booth. And basically all we did was just talk to people about going plant-based. And so I was shocked at how interested people really were and how many people actually came to our booth. And so I was able, like you, I gathered a lot of information and I asked questions and really wanted to know where people are in the process of transitioning to healthier, cleaner foods. Um, and also I was surprised at how many testimonies we received. You know, just people telling us that they were able to get off their medications by going plant-based. So I can see how, for you, a veg fest would have worked as well. Were you able to sort of build um, your database for, from that for, like, your newsletters and things like that? Yeah, um, I, uh, a lot of people signed up for our newsletter. It's always sort of the thing I try and get people to do because um, I think there's a resistance because there's nothing worse than being bombarded by emails from people. <laughs> Um, but I can always assure people that I'm so busy that I rarely get a chance to write more than one or two a month. <laughs> so, um, and I always try and only send something if I think there's news in there that people will want to read, if there's a destination coming up that people are going to be interested in. So I like to think that people sign up to ours because they can be confident that um, they're going to get something that's interesting and not be bombarded by, by nonsense. So, um, yeah, so I do, I do do a newsletter and, and that is quite popular. Yes, and I want to make sure that I sign up for your newsletter too, because seriously, I think I would really find it interesting and as a constant reminder, we travel often, but I would love to be able to receive a newsletter with the latest on what you're working on. Yeah, I think that's true. And I think at the end of the day, if you're, if, if you're sending it to the right people, um and you know on my newsletters um they're all people that have signed up for it um there's no reason why you would get mass people sort of um unsubscribing um because what the information that you have is relevant to them and i think that it's and it's about it's just another form of communication for me i don't necessarily see it as a marketing tool though obviously it is one um but for me it's just a way about sort of communicating with people what we do um, why that that's useful to them um, and it just gives them an op option to sort of stay up to date on it it's just part of a conversation I think well Esther you know I enjoy the fact that you have this service I think it's going to be beneficial to many people I've been vegan probably I don't know close to four years and you should have seen me at the beginning of my journey, I would have one luggage specifically full of non-perishable goods, just in case when I travel to a certain country, if they don't have my legumes or my beans that I like, or whatever it may be, I would travel with these things. And it's becoming a lot easier with apps, for example, like Happy Cow. On your website, you actually talk about you can put together a package almost anywhere. Is that right? Almost anywhere. Well, I can put a package together anywhere, but how vegan friendly it is obviously it depends on the vocation. Um, okay. There are very few places that you can't go to at all. It's just it might the food might be simpler and more basic in some locations. And it's interesting what you were just saying about sort of what you have to cart around with you, or especially sort of 
previously. Mm. Um, I, I, <laughs> there are places that I go to that I always take um, powdered plant milk with me um, because there are some places that just don't have things like soy milk and oat milk being my favourite. And being British, mm -hmm. I can't cope without a cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> so tea bags and plant milk sort of powdered goes with me almost everywhere. Um, <laughs> but um, there are definitely some places that are easier than others. Um, and so for instance, I mean, it's probably um, worth mentioning that there, there are certain sort of destinations that are becoming quite popular mm -hmm. that because they are less, they've been less traveled to by people with our sort of ethos and um, they're not as accessible. And one of those um, is closer to you than to me, that's Cuba. Um, so Cuba can be quite difficult yeah, because of um, sort of uh, what they have available to them and things like that. Um, but I've been approached quite a few times and I've, I'm actually in the process of building um, a vegan friendly Cuban holiday. Oh my goodness, please keep me informed. I would love to go. So um, it will include things like vegan Cuban cookery classes um, and um, we'll be staying at accommodation that can accommodate to vegan food. So your breakfast will be great and includes restaurants that have vegan menus or that are creating them for us. Um, so that's that's sort of coming up at the moment. Um, but yeah, some destinations are just more challenging. Others are a lot, lot easier. Do you know anything about the movement there? Have you been in contact with locals? Um, not yet. What I'm in, I've got a fixer over there. So I'm working through a company that specializes in Cuban experiences. Mm -hmm. um, and the lady, I got chatting to them because of their insight and what happens on the ground there. Um, and they're not a vegan company, but the lady I was talking to is vegetarian. Mm -hmm. So she's sort of, she's, she's halfway there. <laughs> yeah. So we were, um, she obviously understands some of the challenges just from her sort of experiences. Um, and I've been having a long chat with her. And she said that actually awareness over there is definitely increasing it's the accessibility to um to the produce that is often the problem um and um obviously they have things like black markets and stuff where they can get hold of certain things but plant-based milk is a real issue um, mm. but that said any country for the most part not not entirely but you know most countries you can get hold of things like various fruit vegetables rice that kind of thing um, and it, it's simply about sort of getting people to look at the menus that they have and instead of just simply stripping out all the meat then giving some serious thoughts to what the what the, what they produce they have locally and can access what can they make that's tasty and interesting out of that mm -hmm. um, and with a little bit of thought um, and a bit of guidance most most places will get there if it's something they're invested in yeah um, and things are changing over there i can see how your business could create big change if you bring enough people consistently to their locations it's um, incredible though that, that to be able to give to, for people to open doors to let you in to have those conversations though it just shows how much things are moving forward plus when i was working with restaurants because they didn't cater to vegans so i was working with restaurants to create menus just for our group and they one of the restaurants came back with this incredible menu with all these different options on it but like you, I had to check through all the ingredients because there was honey in there, which there wasn't, they wasn't aware, wasn't, wasn't vegan. So I had to sort of explain and educate a little bit on that front. Um, it's perfectly understandable sort of misunderstanding. Um, a lot of people don't get that. Um, and then so they sort of, they just, it was a quick adjustment and they managed to have a rethink and came back with a, a whole sort of host of new options. But I think my angle is slightly different than yours because I think, um, you guys are very much about the health, which is fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, for me, I do love my desserts. <laughs> 
Um, so one of the first things I said to these restaurants is when you create a menu, if you come back with a dessert menu that has nothing but fruit salad on it, I will not be a happy bunny. Um, <laughs> so we have great desserts as well, proper ones, right. not just fruit. Oh, no, I understand. I love desserts, too. So definitely. So, OK, so you mentioned Cuba as being a possible future destination. Do you have other countries or destinations in mind? It's more types of holidays um, than anything. So that's one. I mean, I do get asked about safaris and things a lot. Um, various parts of Asia have always been popular and, and always will be, and they're very vegan friendly for the most part. Um, but what I get asked about a lot is wildlife holidays. Um, so uh, slightly separate from safari because people will come to you not necessarily knowing exactly what kind of experience that they want. Um, and to that end, I've also been talking. I mean, this is the wonderful flexibility of of basically being a, a sort of a, a one-man team with people that parachute in is when somebody comes to me with something I can think oh that's that's a good idea I need to look at that mm -hmm. and then just go off and do it so um, I spent the last few weeks looking at ethical providers for wildlife holidays and I've actually found um, a travel partner and um, that has um, Jane Goodall approved holidays oh, wow so, yeah so I don't need to worry I still obviously ask all of the same questions to be doubly sure but I'm less worried about the ethics in terms of the encounters with the wildlife and how they run it so me the focus is more on can you cater to vegans how are you going to do that what can you offer um, mm. so um, I can book people on their holidays knowing that they're gonna have a fantastic time um, and not have to worry about anything so that's sort of the next the next move um, and those are uh, those are wildlife holidays of all sorts of experiences all over the place from the Galapagos to Borneo um, to the Congo all sorts of things so oh sounds exciting or your Instagram account you also post meals some of the foods probably from the travels yeah very occasionally I do I often don't have time to forget and then afterwards I curse <laughs> myself because I haven't got the photo of it until I've half eaten it um, <laughs> but yes I do wherever I go um, I do try and sort of get some pictures and I'm, I'm always glad when people can send me pictures of the food and good restaurants they've been to mm -hmm. so that I can add those too so that would be my big call out to people is if you've had a really good experience at a restaurant or you found a really good vegan restaurant send me a picture of it um, or tag us in a picture of it because we'd love to see it um, right because it's it, it's it's a great thing for other people to know about um and i think when you're going away you were talking about sort of happy care and things like that mm -hmm. one of the things i provide to people that are going on sort of bespoke package holidays so i'm, I'm then they've not got a host and um, i always try and create them a google map with um pins in of all of the places that are either vegan or vegan friendly for them to eat oh. so that when they're out and about that day and it's something i do for myself when i go away as well um when you're out and about and you're sightseeing or doing this that and the other you suddenly feel hungry if you've got that already on your google map you know the closest place you can go to to eat that's um, that you're going to have um, a positive experience in so yeah so if people know places they should eat then then tag us we'd love to see it okay definitely and so you offer a variety of different experiences but for people who want to travel alone well maybe you can explain it but i saw on your website what you said is if if you wish to travel alone you can still have the vegan experience and the vegan meals and then you can join the group if you like yeah it's because because of my experience in independent travel i i love traveling solo I, i've always loved it i love the independence of it i love the fact that when i wake up in the morning i can just decide where i'm going to go on a whim without 
necessarily needing to persuade anyone else to want to do the same thing as me. Um, and I think there's actually something lovely about about sort of going to certain places. So, for instance, in Florence, you walk around the Uffizi um, Gallery and taking your time looking at the art that you want to look at and spending time stopping where you want to stop. Um, and just really sort of, I guess it's sort of almost meditative, really, that you can just sort of just take time and stop for a bit and just do what you want to do. Um, and I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. But equally, the challenge is often greater in the evening because when you want to go for something to eat or, you know, and you don't want to necessarily sort of rush your food because you feel self-conscious and then go straight home to bed, you might want to go to a bar and have a drink and sort of talk to people. That can be the really challenging part. Um, so what I've tried to create in terms of what we offer is that balance where there are excursions you can do in the day um, some of them are included some of the sort of optional extras um, but if you want to do those so you want to be in other people's company you've got that option but if you're the kind of person that thinks actually I need some time where it's just me and I'm not surrounded by people and um, I just want to go and lie on the beach on my own with my book or I just want to be able to walk around this gallery alone you mm-hmm. can absolutely do that but then in the evening we all get together um, and we all eat together and we chat about what we've done in the day and if you want to have a drink and things like that afterwards that's where the real social time kicks mm-hmm. in and I think it that that kind of balance gives people um, that opportunity to have a, an experience that feels both supported and sociable, but also independent. I can appreciate that. I myself traveled um, by myself for a long time and always felt very safe. But now in, in a family setting, what I have found is when we travel together, my husband already knows I need one or two days on my own. <laughs> so uh, just a day for myself to enjoy myself to I enjoy my own company as well and I enjoy reflecting on my surroundings or yeah I don't know just kind of like you said it's very meditative and so I enjoy that and I um, I don't shy away from requesting that for myself as well it's important I think and I think quite a lot of people I mean people talk about introverts and extroverts I think most people are a combination of both of those things at various times and most of us I think have a switch that we switch on when we're sociable and we really enjoy that but we have to be apart from people to recharge (laughs) I agree (laughs) and I completely get that because I'm like that I completely agree with that um one of the things that you address through kindred traveler is also leaving a smaller footprint as travelers it's very big topic you know understandably so at the moment about sort of the impact that we have in terms of especially with flights but also with cruises Mm -hmm. um and whilst we do offer those because um you know people want that choice um Mm -hmm. and I do fly it would be very difficult for me to do what I do if I wasn't able to fly sometimes um but that said very conscious um of the impact it has and so we do encourage people um especially certain destinations like our city breaks to use rail as much as possible Mm -hmm. I think the big um the big challenge with that I think isn't people's desire um to do the right thing because I think most people want to most people would happily travel by more environmentally friendly options if they could I think the challenge is time because the world and the society that we live in at the moment we have limited leave and and vacations from from work 
We want to make the best of that time. Um, and it can take a while to get about if you're doing anything other than flying. Um, mm -hmm. With our Florence break, for instance, um, it's a long weekend. Um, and some of the people that went this year, I sort of encouraged them if they could to take a little bit of extra time to go by rail. Um, and some of them took that option up. And what we did was we booked them the rail, but we extended their break so that they had a stop off both ends. So that instead of going straight to Florence, they stopped off via Milan one way, via Turin the other. Um, so making a longer holiday, less of a rush, um, but also a much smaller footprint. Um, so I think it's, it's something we're always, you know, I'm always very conscious of. Um, mm -hmm. and I'm always looking at destinations that we can do that in so people have those options um, for UK holiday makers as well for that very reason we put a home base break in so there's a break in Devon for, um, for our UK sort of clients um, so if they really want to stay very close to home and not make as much of an impact at all they can go on one of our Devon breaks which is right by the beach mm. um, and that's all vegan too and there's yoga and kayaking mm -hmm. um, so that's, it is something that we're very conscious of um, but I think a lot of those challenges would be solved um, if people had just had more time and sort of the working situation changed for a lot of people. And so as far as your travel packages, I know that you said you can pretty much put together a package anywhere, but are they typically as of right now in Europe? Or where do you, um, where are your destinations right now? Oh, we, co we cover um, everywhere. So um, as I said, I'm working on Cuba at the moment. Um, I've just booked a, um, a wildlife experience to, uh, for somebody in Borneo. I'm currently working on um, another safari for somebody in Botswana. Mm -hmm. um, so, um, and I've just popped on our Facebook page, a package holiday for Bali um, mm -hmm. um, at a hotel that's got a wonderful um, plant-based restaurant right on site did you say bali yeah oh my goodness <laughs> you'll be phoning to book next week i'm too excited now i just want to go anywhere so i would basically call you and say esther i would like to fly or have an experience at so-and-so destination is that how it would work yeah, it is. So um, obviously with the, with the group breaks, we've got those are fairly set in terms of the dates. If people want to go on those, um, those are the dates available and people call just to book those. But if what they want is something else, then yeah, they just call me up and say, this is the kind of holiday I want, or this is a destination I want to go to. I'd like it to be vegan. And there might be some sort of excursions or experiences they want while they're there. So I go away and I look at what connections that I have, because mm -hmm. obviously I'm connected to other vegan tour operators um, and um, hotels. And if they're not vegan, I've got vegan friendly ones. So I can pretty much build a bespoke package to just about anywhere. Um, and I'll always be very honest that, you know, we will do our best in terms of making it vegan, but there are some destinations that's more challenging. And so we'll just do our best to get as close as we can to what they need, but, you know, with certain caveats. Sure. I, I can imagine, for example, do people get as detailed about accommodations and the toiletries, for example, in their hotel? People haven't really asked about that, but it is something I think about. On our group holidays, I, because I'm there as a host, and for the most part, I usually do make sure that the toiletries are, are, are vegan friendly because I know that I, if they're not, I can replace them, mm -hmm. pop them in. If it's a bespoke holiday, I've got slightly less control over that. So I usually recommend that people just take their own travel size things with them. Mm -hmm. um, it's usually much more practical. Right. But it is a question I ask. I think even before that, I recently had an inquiry about a ski holiday, which was interesting because quite a lot of ski destinations and accommodation, you will find things like leather and fur in the room. 
so again whilst i say i always try and do my best but make people i'm very realistic with people about what the caveats are and um, nonetheless what i then did was i did actually scout around as many types of accommodation as i could to not only ensure that they could cater to vegans and have vegan food but that the rooms didn't have that in and i managed to find an entire skiing region that is vegan friendly <laughs> so the hotel caters to vegans they have a vegan restaurant on site but also the little sort of ski cabins that you stop off at on your way down have always offer vegan items on the menu so that wherever you go in that region you will be catered to um, and also that meant finding rooms that didn't have furs and leathers um, was that much more likely so I managed to put that together but that that took a good couple of weeks of research <laughs> <laughs> well you know I had this experience where uh, we made a quick trip uh, to Houston, not far from where we are. And that particular hotel, which is about a four and a half star hotel, I've always been very happy with it. So we decided to stay there because I'm familiar with the place. And they had experienced some flooding, I think, two years ago and renovated the entire place. And they added a lot of animal skins everywhere. Like, you name it, it was it everywhere. I could smell it. And I was so devastated. Even you couldn't even sit. I mean, sometimes you don't think so much about the leather couches, depending where you're at. But th this particular place just was, it, it was just like cow country. There is no other way to put it. And I They've got sort of heads mounted on the walls. You tend to notice yeah. that. <laughs> so yeah. it's, yeah. I won't be returning to that place, but yeah. I think things are moving forward. And I think it's about recognizing as well that, you know, things are still in flux, things are changing and not everyone is there yet, but we're uh, going to get there, I think. Right. So what are um, the biggest barriers that you find for vegans when traveling? Well, it's interesting because I've actually just launched a survey um, about that, which I've popped um, on a Facebook page um, and in a couple of vegan travel um, groups on Facebook um, to ask people what they feel the, the biggest challenges are. Um, my instinct is, is that it's a combination of um, culture in terms of people's sort of approach to animals, their attitudes to animals. So there's a lack of understanding about why veganism is let alone what it is um so i think there's that um and i think so from from sort of the perspective of the people who were over there um in these destinations i think there's that and i think from the perspective from where we're coming from i think there's a difficulty having those conversations because you don't necessarily want to offend people but at the same time you feel you know, it's it's an ethical thing, so it's 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 about it's about your offence sometimes, not theirs. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it can be just a difficult conversation to have with people when you've also got the language barrier. Um, so I think there's a combination of a lot of things, but I'd be really interested to see what comes out of the survey because we've asked about that, what people think the biggest challenges are, um, and we've asked them for feedback about where they've had good and bad experiences. And also the times when they've gone and eaten something which they've been told was vegan, they've been told it's okay, which then later turned out that it wasn't. And that's happened to a lot of people. Yeah. Um, you know, so so for instance, in Asia, where it's very vegan friendly because a lot of the food isn't isn't necessarily, you know, especially Southeast Asia isn't necessarily that meat based. You can eat something that they will call vegetarian, and you will check and there's no dairy, but and there's no egg. But then you'll find out that they've used some sort of a fish or an oyster sauce mm -hmm. because they don't regard that as meat, um, or they think it's vegetarian, um, so therefore they think it's also vegan. So there's there's these complications around things like that. And I think what I would just say to people is, don't be too hard on yourself when you find out you've had 
something that isn't vegan it <laughs> happens and it's yeah. of course it's it's sad and it's frustrating but it isn't your fault what about airports again it varies vastly i mean we're very lucky in the uk um because most of our airports now i think it's quite easy to find something um that's that's vegan um it's more when you are sort of changing over or getting to certain destinations abroad dubai you don't struggle in at all um and just quite a lot of european countries do pretty well greece is pretty poor <laughs> right. and again most of asia is is doing quite well i think a lot of it comes down to because most airports have chain restaurants and chain takeaways in them mm -hmm. so it very much depends on what the general ethos is and what the what the movement is in those countries about veganism mm -hmm. um so um for me um when i go to an airport i try if i can to take something with me um because usually um you might not be able to fly with certain food or, or get up you know sort of disembark a plane with certain food depending on the restrictions but you can usually take food in with you to eat at the airport or on the plane mm -hmm. um, so often i will take things mm -hmm. but again it's just so variable very variable um, and in terms of airlines you know, Turkish Airlines, fantastic vegan menu. There's a few airlines in Sri Lanka where you think it would be easier that are horrific. <laughs> so you never really know. <laughs> Is there anything else that you'd like to tell us that maybe I forgot to ask about or touch on? So if I was ever going to recommend people try anything that they might have ruled out, um, I talk about Greece a lot because I love it there, but um, I would recommend trying baklava because a lot of people rule it out because they think it's made with honey. It's almost never made with honey. <laughs> Really? Yeah, they usually, it was a question I had to ask because I've got a lot of friends over there, especially since <laughs> I've been doing this. And um, they've all been so keen, so keen to help and talk to me about it. And a good friend of mine in Zakynthos, um, Demetrius, um, he has his own um, vineyard and olive grove. Mm -hmm. um, and he was talking to me and I said, oh, I can't eat baklava. <laughs> and I said, because it's got honey in it. And he just laughed at me and said, they never put honey in it unless it's a special occasion. It's too expensive. So, oh, my goodness. It's usually just a syrup. So, oh um, so if you're in Greece, always check. But most likely, if it's a normal restaurant, you're probably going to be safe with baklava and you should try it. So some of the tips that you gave us also was, oh, at least what you do is you travel sometimes with a small amount of uh, nut milk. Is that what you said? Because those are hard to find in certain countries. Powdered plant milk. So often um, powdered soy milk is quite easy to get hold of. And you can order it on the internet. We can get hold of it in sort of health food shops a lot of the time. Okay. Um, I've, I've yet to find um, an oat milk alternative other than simply just making it from scratch myself, which mm -hmm. I really wouldn't have the time for. Right. Um, I wish I could because oat milk is my favorite, but soy milk is really good, powdered soy milk in a squeeze. And can you share with us again um, your website and your Facebook page along with Instagram? It's probably all under the same name, right? Um, it is so. Um, our website is um, kindredtraveller.co.uk um, and you can find details of all of our breaks there. Um, we're probably going to do a bit of a redesign um, shortly, but all the information you need is there. Um, and um, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook um, at Kindred Traveller. And um, we spell it because it's British. We spell traveller with two L's, which confuses a lot of people. I actually run a vegan meetup group um, in my hometown. Um, I think it's Exeter and Southwest vegan meetup group. Okay. Um, so um, every about once a month, we all meet up. Um, I organise a dinner, and we all meet up and, and sort of go out and sort of chat and have really great vegan food, and we try out new places and things like that. Um, and obviously, try and support local vegan businesses as much as possible. Um, awesome. And I think that's I think looking for things like that, they're usually really 
welcoming um, and really happy to meet people from elsewhere. And I think especially if you're traveling sort of on your own or you just sort of want to meet different people. Mm -hmm. um, it's really good. It's a really good way of doing it, I think. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's definitely a good tip. Well, thank you for um, being so creative and, and providing this sort of service to people who actually need it. And uh, it makes our travels much easier and um and then also the the fact that you can combine a holiday with in a group setting to meet other people as well so that you're around like-minded individuals i think that's a great idea yeah it, it, yeah it i think it just sort of makes the whole thing less stressful and that's the point you know that's because we all we all deserve to enjoy a relaxing break well thank you so much for your time esther and i will be in touch thank you thank you Bye. Well, there you have it, guys. Another episode of Plant-Based DFW. What did you think about Esther and her company, Kindred Traveler? Is this something, a service that you would use in terms of traveling and really getting an ultimate experience? Um, how difficult is it for you to travel? Do you find yourself doing things like I've done in the past, which is traveling with non-perishables and really being prepared in case there's nothing else at the grocery store? So thank you so much for listening you guys let me know what you think you've been listening to the plant-based dfw podcast show if you like our content please like share and leave a review our goal is to provide quality episodes to help support the community